Hello and welcome to Let the Boys Watch Football, a fantasy football strategy and advice podcast. This is your captain speaking, Alex Howard, and today we're going to be cruising at an altitude of the fourth overall draft pick. Today, what I'd like to do, let's flip the let's flip the the ball cap backwards. Let's turn the chair around and and sit with our arms propped up on the on the back of the chair and and let's just get out some last thoughts before before the Bofa draft. So my uh, so I have my college league with my friends. Uh, it is the Boys Only Fantasy Association, and I have the fourth overall pick coming up, and the draft is on Saturday. So I wanted to kind of talk it out, kind of just uh, see how I'm feeling about the options at number four, see what my strategy will be, and update on a few a few notes going into the draft and into the weekend. We're broadcasting today from beautiful Chicago. I'm at my boy Taylor Elliott's house, and we are live, baby. I haven't released a podcast since the Trey Lance trade went down, and so I wanted to get my thoughts on the record here quickly so that uh, so I can state my take and have it on record and... and uh, I do feel strongly about this because I am a lifelong 49ers fan, so I think I have some good perspective on it, but would be interested to hear anybody else's take on the whole Trey Lance thing. To start, I think everybody and their mother can agree that the the trade that the 49ers executed to get Trey Lance, giving up first-round draft picks and, and mortgaging somewhat of the future, uh, to move up in the draft and take a quarterback. Of course, you want that guy to work out. And as we know, uh, it, it tends to be about a 50-50 proposition. We continually try to get better at evaluating quarterbacks coming into the league. But end of the day, it, it, it ends up being 50-50 if a highly drafted guy is going to be your franchise quarterback. So I don't fault them for making the move. I don't fault them for trading all that capital if they if they thought they were going to get a guy who who could be that 50-50 shot at a franchise quarterback. So I think they were they were on the right track and and maybe they picked the wrong guy. And that happens. And that's a mistake. But once that's once that's done, it's it's a sunk cost, right? And I'm no economist, but I do feel like I understand it well enough to understand uh, that at a sunk cost, you can't go back and litigate the decision to make that trade and then apply it to what you want Trey Lance to be three years later. So when I looked at Trey Lance over the last year and a half, I've felt increasingly like Trey Lance is not going to be anything for the 49ers. It felt to me that the longer we kept Trey Lance on the 49ers, the lower his value, the lower his stock would be. And so I'm stoked that we were able to trade Trey Lance. And frankly, I'm not sure if he's ever going to pan out in the NFL. But if he is, he's going to have a better chance of doing it with the Cowboys. The 49ers rely on timing, precision uh, in the passing game, and following the playbook, understanding it perfectly, and executing it. Trey Lance, his skill set, if anything, He's more of an improviser, I would say, or or an athletic, you know, guy who can who can make something of nothing. 
But even at that, it's not like we necessarily saw that in the games that he's played. And another thing that I think gets overlooked is, sure, we haven't seen him in many games, but Kyle Shanahan and the coaching staff has seen him in practice every day for the last three years. If they thought they had something in him, uh, this trade would not have happened. And we would have heard things over the over the last few years that would have given us hope and optimism and excitement about Trey Lance. But it feels like everything I ever heard out of 49ers camp and and uh, talking about Trey Lance is is strictly that is strictly that he is improving, right? It's always those things that if you look below the surface, he's not there, you know, and we're not sure he's getting there. But, uh, he, you know, he's working and he's working hard and, and all of that. Um, but I never heard anything that actually made me think that Kyle Shanahan was high on him. And, of course, Kyle Shanahan ru- rules the roost. Um, it's his way or the highway in San Francisco. And and uh, if he's not excited about a guy after three years, I'm glad we're moving on. Now, on the other side, I like Trey Lance a lot. He does seem like a, a very hardworking guy. He seems like a good guy. Um, I have no reason to, to wish anything but success for him, and I hope he finds it. Uh, regardless of the Cowboys-Niners rivalry, uh, rooting for the guy, and and, uh, and hopefully someday we can see him starting and playing meaning, meaningful football in the NFL. I do think it's interesting uh, comparing Trey Lance and Dak Prescott. It, there's some speculation there could be this could be a leverage play. Dak Prescott's contract will come up at the end of this year, I believe. And if Trey Lance starts to make strides and maybe maybe he's a better fit with their coaching style and their offense than he was with the 49ers, they could use it as a, a way to say, Dak Prescott, you, you've been good for us, but ultimately uh, we, have, we have a guy that we do believe in. He's got talent and he's young and he's up and coming. Um, we understand that you are a very valuable member of this team, but there's a there's an appropriate appropriate salary for this position, and it's not the absolute max. Because if we really need to, we do believe that this guy can win us games. Okay, and and I did just look it up. Um, it looks like Dak Prescott has two years left on his deal, but honestly, I think that kind of increases the 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 case a little bit because. Trey Lance does need to develop a little bit before before he's going to be a viable quarterback for any NFL franchise. So I think that could be part of it. But we'll see how it plays out. And ultimately, I am rooting for Trey Lance. Hope nothing but the best for him uh, as long as it doesn't lead to the Cowboys beating us in any meaningful games. So we're going to talk about draft thoughts, last-minute draft thoughts, heading into a big draft weekend with the BOFA League, Boys Only Fantasy Association, and it looks like I'm going to have a new team name. So uh, I've been the Buffalo football team for years, but as I've talked about on, on this podcast, I'm not so sure about the Bills this year. Not necessarily that they won't be good, more that for the last four or five years, uh, investing in them was an asset that that was that was on the up trend and I just don't know if that's the case this year. I think if you're investing in the bills, um, you're looking at an asset that's going to stay somewhat stagnant, not really uh, uh, go any farther than they've been going. Uh, at least stats wise, at least fantasy football wise. 
So I need a new tr team name, and, and uh, this year my team name will be Trade Lance. So that's Trey apostrophe D Lance. Um, anyways, let's get into some thoughts on draft strategy for the weekend. So I have the number four overall pick, and I went back and forth a bit on this on this pick. So to start, let's go through the the kind of league settings, league rules, and, and format. It's ten team. It's a ten team league. We have a quarterback, two running backs, two wide receivers, a tight end. And then this year we added an additional flex position. So now we have two flex starting positions that can be either running back, tight end, or receiver. My initial thought on, on adding the flex is this increases the value of the running back and receiver, and in some situations the tight end position, because you have to fill more spots. And assuming that some players are going to be injured, uh, some players are going to underperform, you're going to need eight guys or nine guys to fill the six or seven spots outside of quarterback and, and I guess, tight end. But the, the advantage with the tight end is you could still, if you have two elite tight ends, potentially start one of those tight ends at your flex and then take two elite tight ends off the board for the rest of the league. So that's not out of the question. But at the fourth overall pick, I went back and forth. I'm fairly certain that Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Christian McCaffrey will go off the board. If not, then that'll make my pick real easy. Um, but assuming that's the case, and I'm looking at, basically I've come down to Austin Eckler and Tyreek Hill. A couple things go into my decision, but I am going to take Austin Eckler tomorrow. Several several reasons why. Uh, the, the primary, probably biggest reason is kind of the hero RB strategy that I've talked about a bit. Um, I do think that there's only a small handful of running backs at the top of the draft that really, really give you an elite competitive advantage over the rest of your league. So in that top tier of running backs, let's say it's everyone, Christian McCaffrey to Saquon Barkley. So McCaffrey, Eckler, Bijan Robinson, Barkley, Nick Chubb. So those guys all have that potential for that top end separation from the rest of the pack in the running back position. And the way I see it, it's just a matter of probability after that. So they all have this super high ceiling. Christian McCaffrey seems to have the highest ceiling, aside from, honestly, potentially Bijan Robinson because he's a bit of an unknown. Um, so he's higher ceiling, lower floor. What? Yeah, Eckler. Eckler's got that fucking ceiling. Eckler led the league last year. That's true, but when if Christian McCaffrey's healthy and playing in all seventeen games, absolutely. But like he no has one, a, no one's touching CMC. But but that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. So Eckler, Christian McCaffrey Eckler is right behind him. Christian Christian McCaffrey has that ceiling that Eckler doesn't even have. Like the the best oh, possible for sure for yeah. sure. For so sure. so my only point was that um, the only other guy that maybe has that same type of like elite like that same Christian McCaffrey level. Maybe Bijan, because we don't oh. know. Well, we don't know. Okay, all right. Agree I'm to, saying, agree to saying, disagree. I'm saying hard no on that one, buddy. Agree to disagree. All right, fair, fair. That's fine. But it really just comes down to it's a it's a probability game. 
um, in, in that in that range. And I do want one of those guys on my team if I can, because after that, it's a lot of committees. It's a lot of split backfields. It's a lot of unproven. It's it's a lot of question marks. And and um, if you haven't heard of the running back dead zone before, uh, I don't probably have time to talk about it today, but I'd recommend you look it up. Basically says that uh, rounds three to six is historically terrible for drafting running backs. And so I'd like to secure up one star running back early in the draft. I'm going to go Eckler. And if anybody from the league is listening to this and wants to get cute and take Eckler, that's completely fine because I'll take one of those those first three guys that I mentioned. After getting that star running back, I do want to load up on basically the best available talent at the other positions, unless there's a screaming deal at running back. But uh, I probably want to go wide receiver heavy right after that. Um, if there's a good deal on Mark Andrews, uh, Jalen Hurts, which is another interesting topic. I don't know. I'd be interested to hear what, what you think, Taylor, but I think Jalen Hurts might be passing Patrick Mahomes in my mind right now. Dude, for sure. It's, okay. It's, All right, cool. It's, so I'm not crazy. It's Hurts, Allen, and then Mahomes. Ooh, I still have Mahomes over Allen. You're tripping. We'll see. We'll You're see. Tripping. Well, well, it's on the record, so we can we can look back after the uh, season. As far as like actual quarterbacks, yeah, but fantasy wise, sure, sure. Well, yeah, it's a fantasy podcast. We got to talk fantasy. I hated how it came out. Really? Because you can get like Justin Herbert or Trevor Lawrence in the sixth or seventh round, and it's like, yeah, I I'm with I you on that. Passed on Ramondre for Jalen Hurts just because. That's tough. To try yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Ramondre's kind of in that second tier in my mind where like I have a good feeling that he's going to be really good but you just it's less less certain you know for sure it's definitely less certain and in my other league I I did wait on quarterback and I got uh Trevor Lawrence and like I forget it was either like the seventh or eighth round yeah and I was stoked on it exactly so there's there's good quarterback value late there's yeah the running back does it like after round five kind of fucked at taking a running back yeah for sure in the second or third round uh we should we should have some really really elite talent um it's sitting there at it should be there at receiver but if it's not it means that uh the rest of my league is prioritizing differently than me and it means that there may be a second elite running back uh maybe a tony pollard or something like that and if that's the case then um you know i'd probably go there too but my guess is I'll end up with a high-end wide receiver, maybe two high-end wide receivers with picks two and three, um, unless unless I see a value that I really like. Another thought going into the draft, um, I think it's safe to say I'm just not going to draft a single Cardinal this year. Uh, there is a lot of <laughs> there is a, a lot going on with their quarterback situation. They they just got rid of Colt McCoy who is their backup quarterback, even though their starting quarterback isn't available. So they've got like a hodgepodge of, yeah, they've got a hodgepodge of, of uh, like a rookie quarterback. Um, they traded for Joshua Dobbs. I, I think that they asked him to parachute from his flight straight into the practice facility and just get to work because there's a chance that he's going to start. And they picked him up like a day or two ago. So if you're not familiar... They also just traded away 
uh, fucking Isaiah Simmons, who they spent a first right. round pick two, three years ago. That's right. For a seventh rounder or a fifth rounder? Yeah. Fucking no, seventh whatever. rounder. Seventh rounder. They got they got rid of Isaiah Simmons for for peanuts, um, which he was a highly drafted player, and he never quite he found his he never quite found his stride in Arizona, but. Um, super talented guy. He's going to the Giants, which the Giants are a team I'm, I'm pretty high on this year. And, um, you know, that just seems like Brian Dable fleecing a lesser organization out of a guy who's super talented. And it feels a lot, feels a lot like they're tanking for, uh, Caleb Williams next year in the draft. For sure. They are. Right. Agreed. 100% they are. They have yeah, to be. for sure. Oh, I had, I had a thought. Um, so, so recent news: Jonathan Taylor was no was not successfully traded to any other team. Seems like other teams are interested, and of course, why wouldn't they be? Jonathan Taylor's amazing, but it seems like uh, they're they're trying to lowball the running back market. Still isn't super super high. You know that the running backs aren't getting paid exactly what they think that they deserve, and so. Jonathan Taylor's still on the Colts, and he's going to be out for the first four weeks on the the PUP. Uh, what does it stand for? Physically unable to perform list. Yeah, perfect. So he'll be out for the first four weeks. So if you're going into a draft, and where my head's at going into my draft, it, it's not like Jonathan Taylor won't get on the field at all this year. I mean, I guess anything's possible, but my guess would be whether it's for the Colts or for another team, he's going to probably another team, but he's going to, he's going to get on the field. And um, when he does, there's no, there's no scenario where he's splitting the workload, like in a major way, he's not going to be a committee guy. He is one of the most pure examples of like a workhorse running back. It's like him and Nick Chubb and uh, Derek Henry, if he's still got it. Yeah, CMC, but I'm thinking even just like um, a pound the rock guy. Oh, you think like like actual like like, like not not pass catching backs, but like pure runners, like physically capable of getting like 300 carries yeah. in a season yeah. and not breaking down. Yeah. You know, is what I'm yeah. thinking. So like he's that guy, and um, and he'll be out for the first four weeks. So what do we do? Where do we draft him? Um, the early part of the fantasy season is kind of underrated. Uh, we look at the fantasy season as a full picture, but what we forget sometimes is if you start out your season 0-3, you're going to panic and probably do do something like make a trade because you're like, my team sucks. Uh, and it's going to be hard to catch up if you start out 0-3. So I would, I would recommend, let's say Jonathan Taylor, I'm not even sure where he's going in the draft at this point. I think because the news is so fresh, um, it could vary pretty widely, but ultimately, you know, draft him. Sure. If it, if you feel like it's a good value, but then try to pair him with somebody who should get some shine early in the season and see if maybe, um, maybe you can time it right where you have a guy who does well for the first four weeks and then you get Jonathan Taylor, who's elite and he takes you to the fantasy championship examples. I'm thinking of, uh, Dalvin cook, you know, newly acquired by the, the New York Jets. He is in the backfield with with Brees Hall. Brees Hall's been been practicing. It looks like he's going to play, but he is he is recovering from a pretty 
gruesome injury. And I would expect that they're going to slow play Brees Hall a bit. And Dalvin Cook is still very good. I would think that the best part of Dalvin Cook's season is going to be the first handful of weeks. And then Brees Hall will probably emerge over the course of the season and take more of the work. But if you need somebody to fill in while um, Jonathan Taylor is is out, I mean, shoot, if you can get Jonathan Taylor and Dalvin Cook kind of in those those mid-rounds, the 6, 7, 8 range, you know, I think that's about where both of them are going. Um, I think that that would be a great strategy. Another guy to look at, uh, another two guys actually, Jamal Williams and Kendra Miller with Alvin Kamara um, out for the first three weeks. Those guys should get an opportunity and I would lean towards Jamal Williams, but Kendra Miller has that, that other upside of potentially some long-term value if he really shines. Quick thought on defenses. First of all, uh, for anybody out there, if, uh, if you don't have to draft a defense and kicker, um, you're, you're well within your rights to, to not get an extra like high upside running back. And then right the second before the, the games kick off, go pick up a defense. But if you're in this situation where you're drafting here um, and you need to take a defense Consider the fact that in a few short days, we're going to be setting our starting lineup for week one, right? So for most defenses, defenses are very tough to predict in general. Um, over the course of the last 20 years, you know, you can study it and you can say um, defenses that were expected to do well, it's one of the least predictable facets of, of fantasy football. So honestly, let's look at let's look at defenses that are playing against against really bad offenses in week one. Let's pick on some rookie quarterbacks. I know Baltimore gets the Texans in week one, and they have a fairly easy schedule when it comes to to the teams they play in the first few weeks. The Commanders start out the season against the Cardinals, and the Cardinals are an absolute debacle. That could be one of those situations where you look up and they have two defensive touchdowns by halftime. Um, that could be a great pick. They also get the Broncos in week two. And, you know, we'll see. It's probably uh, one or the other. Either Sean Payton's going to have that effect where he does turn the team around and they're good. But honestly, if the offense is anything like it was last year, um, that could be two weeks of, of elite defensive play from the Commanders. And then the last one I'll shout out is, is the Saints. So get this. The Saints get the Titans in week one. So that should be uh, – that should be. so the Titans are nothing special on offense. I think uh, the, the Saints will do just fine, if not well, against the Titans. But then you've got the Panthers week two who have the rookie quarterback, Bryce Young. And that team, I, I have my questions about them. I, I would think that it would be a smart play to play a defense against the Panthers. Packers, we don't know about Jordan Love, so there's a chance that they are nothing special, and then they get the Buccaneers in week four. Um, so that's that's four weeks in a row of either we don't know what they're getting from the quarterback on the other end, or, or we know and it's not great. A couple quick uh, uh, points that I want to hit before before we leave, um, TJ Hawkinson got a new contract. I guess he's the the highest paid 
tight end in NFL history. Is that right? Uh, who knows? Okay. Yeah. Right, might yeah be, so that might be right. Um, fact check that. I, uh, nah. Fuck nah. it. I said it. Fact, fact check if you'd like. But um, he's being paid a lot of money, so they're locking him up in Minnesota. Um, when when somebody gets a big contract, I'm always I, I tend to be kind of split. Um, it's great that the team believes in him, but it doesn't always correlate to having a huge year. Usually, the correlation is the year before they get the contract. So. I don't know if it changes anything for fantasy necessarily, but um, it does for me. It, but it does for Taylor. Dude, so he's, he's at least the third overall now. According to maybe, Taylor, he's at least the third overall. Maybe goes over Mark Andrews now. Nah, that's too much. Um, and then uh, Jeff Wilson. We just got a, a notification that Jeff Wilson is being placed on IR. Uh, or is it the PUP? Uh. Is the same for okay. How they changed it so yeah. IR is no longer eight weeks. It's just the PUP, so he's out okay. for the first four weeks. Got it. So Jeff Wilson will be out for the first four weeks. Um, so this narrows down the the backfield to uh, Raheem Mostert and Devon A. Chain. Um, Devon A. Chain is is dealing with a nagging injury, so we'll see. I mean, between the two of them, I think it's kind of a short term, long term. If you if you like, if you need kind of in the situation we broke down earlier, if you have say uh, Alvin Kamara or Jonathan Taylor or Brees Hall, something like that, who might take a few weeks to get really into it, I'd probably go Raheem Mostert. Um, who knows how long his run will be, but from the looks of it, he'll have at least four weeks where he's the primary running back in an excellent offense. But if you're looking for, like, let's say you're in a keeper league, let's say you are in a dynasty league, or you have some guys that are that you expect to pop right off right off the bat, um, Devon A. Chain may be an excellent an excellent stash. Uh, keep him there, and maybe over the first four weeks he emerges, and you have a guy for the rest of the season who can carry you through the the fantasy playoffs and championship. That's going to do it for today, guys. Uh, looking forward to my draft on Saturday uh, with the, the Boys Only Fantasy Association drafting for Team Trade Lance. And uh, have a great weekend, guys. Happy Labor Day, and we'll talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of Let the Boys Watch Football. If you like the podcast, please subscribe, like, and tell your friends. Follow us on Instagram at ltbwfootball, all one word, to stay engaged throughout the week. Have a great week, and see you next time.